Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Kansas City, Missouri, welcome to the second, second, that is number two edition of Tapped In, brought to you by KCPN here at Taps on Main. We're back here on Monday, April 5th, as promised for the, uh, no longer the inaugural, that is actually, that's out there, that is amongst the people now, so here we are, we're ready to bring you, uh, bring you the second edition, and, uh, See how that goes. So, going to go ahead and dive in. Had a big opening weekend for the Royals. I talked this last episode about, you know, opening day. Royals had that big football kind of score, 14 to 10. After three games, we ended up with the Royals. They took two out of three. So, not we wanted that sweep yesterday. If you want to blame it on me for having been out there at the ballpark, I fully, I will accept that. You wouldn't, it, it's, I've already had somebody else blame me, Grant Tower today. So, you know, that's, that's all right. I can take that. Kansas City, you can blame me for stuff. That's fair. We've won a Super Bowl and a World Series in the last several years. So I'll take blame for things that go wrong from here on out. We don't need to put it on Dayton Moore or Brett Beach or anybody else like that. Uh, but, yeah, they're in a, the Royals are in a three-way tie with the Twins and Tigers atop the AL Central to start. Uh, but, obviously, if we lost yesterday, that meant some things that were going really well the first couple games didn't go quite as well yesterday. And, unfortunately, something the biggest concern – carried over into yesterday's game as well and that was pitching woes with our starting with our uh, starting rotation so far we have keller brad keller mike minor and brady singer that have taken the mound and started for the royals so far and keller only went as i mentioned on friday went one and a third gave up nine hits six earned runs he had no strikeouts two walks for a 40.50 era to start the season and in some other kind of concerning news his next scheduled start actually got pushed back a day so there has been some people wondering potentially is he dealing with an injury is there something you know pulled muscle or something that uh, could end up putting him on the injured list for a 10-day trip and that's something the royals obviously haven't divulged any of that information yet but we'll see uh, Mike Miner then came out on, on Saturday for the Royals' second game of the year and had a much better start, but still not great. I mean, we spent a lot of money bringing him in. He was the ace for, the, for Texas last year of all teams, uh, who we just played this past weekend. Um, but he went six innings, which you love to see, but he still gave up four earned runs, albeit only on four hits and two walks, so not terrible. He also had six strikeouts, so he's got a 60 RA, but at least his start was pretty solid. And then we got right back into the into a funk yesterday with Brady Singer looking great to begin with. He closed out both the first and second innings with strikeouts. He ended up with five Ks on the day, but he was still only able to go three and a third after giving up three in the third and three in the fourth. Five hits, three walks. Five earned runs for a 13-5 ERA. And just something where a lot of hope, a lot of promise with Brady Singer, our 2018 first-round first pick. And still, I mean, it's still a lot of promise. I mean, it's only the first start of the season, so it's nothing to necessarily get down about but or to be overly concerned about moving forward. There's still so many games. These guys are going to have 30, 40 starts under their belt. I mean, they're, these guys should be – Things should even out, so nothing to really get up in arms about at this point. But if you want to get excited about a couple of things, the pitching, in pitching regards, the bullpen has been absolutely nailed so far. So they've got 17.1 innings pitched, giving up 11 hits in there, nine walks. You don't like to see the nine walks exactly, but I mean that's these bullpen. They're it's high velocity. They're really high effort. 
and they're going to be kind of all over the place. They're working to get strikeouts, so unfortunately they're going to get some walks in there too. But damn, have they gotten the strikeouts in those 17.1 innings pitched, 24 strikeouts amongst all those guys. So they're they're bringing it. 2.11 ERA by the bullpen so far, and we've seen a couple appearances by Wade Davis, and obviously he had the save on opening day. So a lot of encouraging things from the, uh, from the bullpen at least that kind of staves off a little bit of the concerns of the pitching staff in general. And the bats, I mean, they cooled down yesterday, but you've still got coming out of opening weekend, Whit Merrifield and Michael A. Taylor both batting 462 with two home runs and six ribbies. You got to love that. I mean, Whit, you wouldn't have expected the home runs from, or the, or the RBIs for that matter, but 462, that shouldn't be a shock to anybody. Whit Merrifield is obviously one of the best, best players in baseball and the best player on the Royals roster and has been for a couple years now. And the guy, I, 30 about turn 31, I think, or he might already be 31. He's just getting better. It's unbelievable the the gem that the Royals found and have developed in Whit Merrifield, and Whitley just continues to crush it. Uh, Kyle Isbell, the rookie, made his debut last Friday. He's batting 385. I'm sorry, last Thursday. He's batting 385. Carlos Santana and Nicky Lopez, of all people, both batting 364. So it's only three games, but still some things to be excited about. And especially with a, a, a rookie in Isbell and a couple of newcomers, Michael A. Taylor and Carlos Santana. Some of those guys are definitely pulling through, coming up big for the Royals. And so that's uh, still, I mean, two and one. You, you, got, you, you, got, you won the opening series. That's, you know, you just want to win series. You know, you're not going to sweep them all. You're not going to win them all. But if you can just keep on winning series and build up those series wins, that's what ultimately is going to have you in contention late in September. And so that's, you got to be encouraged by that. Unfortunately, not all the newcomers did. We're looking quite as well. Andrew Benintendi is still struggling to really get going. I mean, again, it's only three games, so it's kind of hard to really get two down, but he's only batting 154. He has the only error on the team so far. Albeit, I will throw in a caveat, he did have a Gordon-esque catch out in left field the other day uh, when he went up against the wall to make a, a really tough play. And so, I mean, Benintendi trying to do his best Gordon impression. Nobody will ever be Alex Gordon and do what, what Gordo did in that out in left field. But at least in Ben Attendi, you can see that he's going to try and the effort's going to be there. So 2-1, and one, they're getting ready to head to uh, this afternoon. Actually, right now, they should be uh, getting ready here pretty quick to start playing in uh, Cleveland. And uh, got two in Cleveland and then three in Chicago against the White Sox later this week before they come back home on Monday to play the Angels. And we're going to get to see Shohei Otani who did some absolutely banana stuff yesterday and hit uh, had a pitch go 101 miles an hour in his in his start yesterday and also crushed a fastball for a home run later on that inning when he went up to bat became the first pitcher to uh, both start and be a DH uh, in MLB history. So Shohei Otani doing some uh, crazy things. So going to get to see him here next week at Kauffman Stadium. So yeah, definitely exciting stuff with the Royals. Not the sweep. Damn it, had to put that broom away. And again, if you want to blame me for that, I, you know, broom, broom will still, it'll, it'll stay in the utility closet, but uh, the, I have a feeling the Royals will be able to bust it out a few times this year. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, another big thing that happened yesterday in the NCAA, you had the Women's National Championship. And you had Stanford pull off in exciting fashion, pull off a close 54-53 victory over Arizona in an all-Pac-12 matchup uh, for the national championship. And Stanford won their first title and actually won the Pac-12's first title in 29 years. 
and something that uh, legendary coach and Tara Vanderveer and Stanford has historically been a pretty strong program. And they've been to they've been to ten Final Fours since the last time they had won. Uh, since the 29 years ago. So, I mean, they were con a constant presence, just never able to get over that hump. And they were able to do so yesterday. Uh, but you still see there's definitely – Arizona seems like an up-and-coming program. The their head coach, Adia Barnes, it was her first season uh, on the sidelines for Arizona, which it's her alma mater. She played in the WNBA for a number of years and definitely has as the look of one of those next special coaches when you talk about a Tara Vanderveer, Gina Oriema, Don Staley of South Carolina. And, uh, yeah, her first tur first tournament, she takes them all the way to the national championship, and you fall one point short. I mean, there's definitely no shame in that whatsoever. Uh, what I am going to say is there is some shame in, though, is the treatment that Arizona got leading up into this Final Four appearance. So leading into the Final Four games itself, you had Friday, the, the national semifinal games, and then last night, the national championship Arizona was, a, I believe, a three seed. South Carolina, UConn, and Stanford were all one seeds. And so the NCAA does this big commercial advertisement leading into the Final Four and one shining moment. Everybody knows all that, all, knows the, the little jingle and everything like that. Uh, and they showed clips and highlights of Stanford and of South Carolina and of UConn and nothing of the Arizona Wildcats. Just because they're a three seed, just because you didn't expect them to be in the final four. Baylor wasn't a one seed, but I guarantee they would have had clips of Baylor with, you know, with Kim Mulkey's team. I mean, they're always a presence up there. There was probably a, a you know, handful of other teams that they had clips and highlights ready to roll for for a final four package. But no, the NCAA altogether just leaves out Arizona. Have big apology to do that, uh, to, to take care of that, which... That seems like the NCAA is apologizing over and over again, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, and even further from that, ESPN obviously is covering that. ESPN had their own gaffe because in their radio commercial that they had touting the national championship, tonight on ESPN at 7 o'clock, watch the Stanford Cardinal try to, and now I'm paraphrasing obviously, but try to end their 29-year drought to win the Pac-12's first national championship. And then this commercial's talking up Tara Vanderveer, legendary coach Tara Vanderveer, and, and, you know, and that whatever guy ESPN employs to do the, you know, their national championship and their big tonight on ESPN and you know probably smokes a carton of cigarettes a day but uh yeah they talk up Stanford as the Pac-12's only hope to end the conference's 29-year drought for uh since they've last won a national title even Stanford being the last one and Stanford 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 and they literally do say that that they are the Pac-12's only hope who is there no mention of again getting slighted for the second time in a weekend by national by national media coverage is Arizona who what what conference does Arizona play in oh the Pac-12 so yeah Stanford is the Pac-12's only hope even though their opponent was also in the Pac-12 so at that point the Pac-12 was going to have their first national champion in 29 years anyway but no Stanford according to ESPN was the only hope and I hear, I hear this ad on the radio, and this isn't them running the ad. This is the show on ESPN Sunday morning saying, we're not, they want us to run this ad. Do they realize the mistake they made in this ad? We're not running this again. Like, you're giving no press, no love whatsoever to Arizona. And it's just, it's funny that in the midst of all this, and ESPN obviously criticizes the shortcomings, and this tournament has been 
an absolute gaffe, just a disaster for the NCAA from a PR standpoint. And ESPN is obviously all over on top of that, but it, they just showed the hypocrisy that it's not like they're playing not playing unbiased uh, coverage as well. I mean, you see that Arizona has completely gotten the shaft by both the NCAA and uh, ESPN in this regard. And yeah, Stanford won. Arizona ended up ultimately coming up short. But man, if that doesn't put a chip on your shoulder moving forward, and I, especially for a young coach like Adia Barnes, like I, that's something I'm, I'm very excited to watch her moving forward. And Arizona better throw a, a ton of money at her to make sure that they that she stays there because Arizona has not been a prominent women's program in regards to their relevancy on the national scene, unlike a Stanford, a Baylor, a UConn. South Carolina has really risen up over the last several years. Obviously, people know what Pat Summit did at Tennessee. May she rest in peace. Um, but it was – it's just it, – it's not hilarious – but it's hilarious how short-sighted ESPN and the NCAA can be. And it just, it's really offensive. I mean, this tournament has displayed on multiple occasions the discrepancy between how the men are treated and the women are treated. And this brings me to my uh, now second straight episode that I have my, my segment. Here at Taps on Main, wings are great. What do you have left over after you're done with your wings? You got a whole bunch of bones if you eat them right. If you've got meat on the bones, you need to learn how to eat wings properly. But that's something for another, something for another conversation. But I got a bone to pick. I got a bone to pick with the NCAA. I have a feeling me and millions of others, tens of millions of others, probably can have a bone to pick with the NCAA. But you come into this tournament, and they taught you know th this is obviously a unique tournament this was a unique situation because of covid and and they did instead of the traditional you have all these different sites where the uh the teams are playing and they always have a different site for the women's final or the women's national championship and the men's national or final four and national championship and san antonio for the women's this year indianapolis for the men's but they centered all the games in a general in a, in the region instead of having you know the western final was in Los Angeles the eastern or the, the midwest up in like Minneapolis or something they all were around Indianapolis within like an hour or so some of them were at like Butler's campus some of them they actually had at assembly hall and at the on the uh, campus of the University of Indiana a historic a historic arena although kind of a shithole but um, but the women's down in San Antonio the women get down there, and it was a player for, I believe, yeah, she plays for Oregon. Her name is Sedona Prince. And so she does a TikTok video showing the women's workout equipment. This workout equipment was literally, here it is, here's up against a wall, here's some yoga mats and some free weights. Literally like one rack of free weights, and then a table with some yoga mats on it. And she pans around and she says, well, they told us, that because of all the COVID testing, there wasn't enough room for us to actually have have workout, true workout equipment. And then she goes behind this behind this little separator wall, you see an entire gymnasium that has nothing in it, absolutely nothing. And that was supposedly supposed to be a COVID testing area, but there wasn't a damn thing in this entire area. And so she puts this out on TikTok, it, gets, it goes viral like that. It's all over the place. National media outlets are criticizing it. ESPN, obviously, being one of them, they were all over this. And then she, because she also showed, hey, here's, here's a look, here's a video 
showing the men's workout facility. And you see basically a full gymnasium full of equipment for the men to work out with. And there was, it wasn't just that. There was also coaches and players that showed, hey, here's the meals we can get, this limited options of meals that just don't look that appetizing, whereas the men got a full buffet. And something that people will say, people might criticize, but it still is a discrepancy between the men and women's is the swag bags. And the men got these nine, the men's, the, the uh, participants in the men's tournament got these nice, luxurious swag bags. Whereas the women's were definitely just much, they were luck, lackluster in comparison. And it's something that left the NCAA reeling. Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, trying to backpedal and trying to correct himself and say, we're going to lead an investigation into seeing why the, the women were so, were so shortchanged in this regard and blah, blah, blah. And these things happen over and over again in the NCAA. Uh, where the women just get shortchanged in regards to the men and you want to do an investigation, do an internal damn investigation and look into the corruption within your own administration and just the fact that you just ignore the women. And because let's be honest, you see, I, football is king, men's basketball, women's basketball is right behind it. I understand it's not the, the, gener the, the revenue generator as much but you're still putting this on espn these are still women that are gonna go a lot of them are gonna go play professionally whether it's in the wnba or whether it's overseas and you're treating them as second class citizens as as you say that they're student athletes and this is another it is, that's a whole another argument about whether or not that they should be treated as athletes more than students but to sit there and treat the men's athletes one way and then treat the women's athletes another way is in it's ridiculous it's hypocritical and it's just asinine i mean it's 2021 it's it's there <laughs> anybody out there who's sitting there still saying that women can't do the things that men can well you know what i'm going to try to avoid using language like this on the show but go fuck yourself i mean seriously like wake up understand that in 2021 things are a lot different it has been different for decades but if you're still not with the program, wake up, get with, get with the game, and just be accepting. Like, be respectful. It's not that hard. Be better. And that's, that starts with Mark Emmert in the NCAA. That starts with I don't know how many other things on, on the Tailgate podcast that we've discussed in regards to how, how women were being treated in front offices in the NFL, in Major League Baseball, how reporters are treated, how – the cheerleaders in the Washington football team's organization were treated. I mean, it's absurd. And the NCAA actually tries to tout these, these student athletes, these women, these basketball players and softball players during, during the, the baseball and softball season and when they're going through the NCAA tournament. And then to shortchange them so dramatically in workout equipment. I mean, and, and I know it's, it's something that maybe they don't care that much about, but for these women, they, that's instantly just like, well, we're not respected like that. And that's something that needs to change. There's so many things that need to change, but that's, that is a big thing. Is start treating them as much more equal to the men. And I understand that that's going to come down to, as the argument furthers on, with whether players should be paid. And yeah, women's players should be paid. 
I understand there's going to be a difference in how much, you know, players on a football team get paid, how much players on a men's basketball team get paid, how much players on a women's basketball team, how much players on a baseball team are going to get paid in different colleges. And it's, it's going to be based on the percentage of what their sport generates. And I understand that. There's a lot to work out there. But that's another problem with the NCAA is that there was uh, the – Excuse me. Uh, the uh, Associated Press did a survey with 357 athletic directors across the NCAA. 94% of them said that they thought that they were concerned that it would be too difficult to, or it would be more difficult for them to comply with Title IX, which obviously Title IX is what was instituted back in the 70s to give women's sports more some of the same opportunities and make sure that men's sports weren't completely usurping all the resources that college athletics were supposed to afford their different players and their different programs. And it was supposed to create a more level playing field, which here we are 50 years later, we're st <laughs> still far from, far from close to where we should be. But 94% said that they had a concern that it would, it, would it would make things difficult with Title IX. Then make it happen. Progress is difficult. Getting to where you need to go, getting what you want, what's right, is difficult. The right way is not the easy way. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And for these athletic directors, how much work did they, these guys have to probably put in to get to the positions where they're at? They're not afraid of hard work, or at least they shouldn't be. And if they are, get them the hell out and get somebody else in that office. And some of the other things I saw, these guys are just, they are so hell-bent against paying players and that, I mean, that include that's the men and women. And I saw it was, it was 98 of them had a response to a question of, do they think, or what would the effect of athletes being compensated be on competitiveness, on the competitive balance? And many of them, I'm sorry, it was 11.22%, 11 11.22% said that it would have many or a somewhat more uh, effect. It would be. It would. It would make competitive balance less. It would make things less competitive. Uh, excuse me, man. I'm struggling for my words here. Uh, I should have taken better notes. Any of you kids watching that in school, make sure you take good notes. Uh, but basically, it was. It was about 11% of them said that they think it would make things less competitive, whereas, or would make things more competitive. Whereas nine, 73 said 73% said they thought it would make it more competitive. There was some other step. Uh, other. 15 said no it would make things it wouldn't affect competitive balance at all but you can see all these these athletic directors they're not even looking they, it's not like they necessarily believe that it's just they don't want to have to pay the players they're so hell-bent on not paying the players and yet they throw around money to coaches like it's nobody's business look at texas just threw four million dollars to texas tech to buy out chris beard and then gave him a seven-year 35 million dollar contract kansas just gave bill self a lifetime contract but you're telling me you can't afford to pay these players like that, that's really going to be a problem and I'm not the biggest Jay Billis fan for ESPN, but he came out and said it best. And he, he straight up quoted Ghostbusters and said, oh, no, it's going to be the worst thing. You're not going to be able to afford, afford to pay the women. And you're going to have to cut programs. And cats and dogs are going to be living together in mass hysteria. And I'm, I'm laughing at that because, I mean, he's straight up calling out the NCAA. And that's what they need to be called out because it's just it's getting to a point 
that it's they're just making a mockery of themselves and it's not just that like that's just there's a number of things you look at the college football playoff i don't know how many times we went at length on the tailgate podcast talking about the college football playoff and how gee i wonder what what would have been better than having only four teams considering you had five and six that had legitimate arguments oh maybe expand the playoff i don't it's the NFL expanded their playoffs. I don't understand why the college football, it, just, it makes so much sense and they'd make so much more money. Oh my gosh, something that makes sense and the NCAA can't figure out how to do it. Shocker. But it's, it's, it's just, it's extremely, it's extremely frustrating. And there was the, the other thing that some of these athletic directors said was that the likelihood that the, if, they were, if they were given the option to share revenue, would they do it? And 83% said that they were unlikely, somewhat or more unlikely to, or somewhat or very unlikely to share revenue with the athletes if they were given the option. So that, tell, that goes to tell me these athletic directors are saying, nope, we'd make sure that we're going to keep it in our pro. We're not going to be, we're not paying the players. Even if we're given that option, no, there's no way in hell we're going to do it. We think it's fundamentally wrong. Even though how many of these guys are, their pockets are being lined. They're their paychecks, their hundreds of thousands, if not million dollar paychecks are literally put together because of the faces of these players who come in and play game, play the, play the sports for their athletic programs, for their departments, for their schools. That what's, that's what lines their wallets. But no, if they had the choice, 83% say that they will not share the revenue. So just a lot of fundamental change that needs to happen in the NCAA and it again starts up top with Mark Emmert. I we've I think a lot of people, myself included, as and Aaron and, and Ty on the the tailgate podcast, he needs to go. It's just it's time. It's time for a change in the NCAA, and it starts at the top with Mark Emmert. He needs to be held accountable, as do so many others working underneath him, because it's again what had just happened with the women's tournament in contrast to the men's tournament it's just an absolute embarrassment so that's my bone to pick was with mark emmer and the ncaa and but i mean not all the ncaa is bad because what we had on saturday night we had a, a, a shining example of how awesome the ncaa can be and after you had a dud of a final four game between baylor and houston in which baylor just blew out houston pretty much just ran him out of the gym from from opening tip off Gonzaga had the fight of their life against an 11 seed UCLA that started their run in the first four and took them to overtime. Lost in overtime on a buzzer beater three. Unflipping real how amazing that game was. And I know Gracie and I were here at Taps on Main watching it with some with some friends, and the whole place is invested in it. And that was something else, a sidebar. I missed getting to watch March Madness in a bar so much. Uh, just the electricity that goes through the crowd, everybody getting into it, getting stoked, getting excited. Oh, man, there's really nothing like it outside of being in the arena to get to experience it. But it was so much fun. Jalen freaking sucks, man. That kid's probably going number two, number three in the NBA draft. To come out and do that, man, that's talking about letting your balls hang low and just, yep, I'm here. I'm here, everybody. I'm going to hit this shot. You gave me 3.3 seconds left to go and win this game. Done. Game over. And he called game, too, to before, as, as he hit that shot. Just ridiculous how just, man, that kid, that's, that's NCAA legendary right there. And that's March Madness, just the absolute beauty of it and the majesty 
of those moments. And he threw himself right up there with a Christian Latner uh, for all-time great shots uh, to win a Final Four game. And, I mean, all credit to UCLA, too. Johnny Juzang had 20, 29 points, and he had his put he had his offensive rebound and a putback to put UCLA – or to tie the game at 90 with 3.3 seconds left. And that's what opened things up for Jalen Suggs in the first place. You saw Drew Timmy, 25 points. Jaime Jaquez Jr. had 19 for UCLA. They went out there and they balled out and just couldn't – couldn't overcome the five-star recruit Jalen Suggs hitting the three of his life. And so now we've got Gonzaga going on to play Baylor tonight, national title game. You actually have two one seeds, but it's not just two one seeds. You have the two teams that, with the exception of about a week when, when Baylor, after they had their first loss and Michigan jumped them in the rankings, you have the two teams that were definitively supposed to be pretty much 1-2 all season long. Gonzaga won, Baylor 2 and that was they were supposed to have a matchup back in December, but because of COVID, it didn't happen. Now we get it for the national title. And it was the two teams that I think nobody would argue with that were clearly the two best teams in the country. And I honestly can't think of another example of when the two, the two teams from, from the word go actually end up getting to play. The two best teams from the word go get to play for the national title. And that's what we get to see tonight. Baylor try to win the first win win a national championship. That'd be huge. They're already in their first Final Four in 71 years. Get to bring Scott Drew his first title. Get to bring the Big 12's first title in 13 years. And you've got an undefeated, the first undefeated team in a title game since Indiana State in 1979. Since Larry Legend went up against Magic Johnson and his Michigan State crew and lost in that 79 game. Gonzaga's the first undefeated team to get to play for a national title to become the first team since the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers to go wire to wire undefeated and win that national title. So lots to look forward to tonight. Wednesday, obviously, I'll be talking about that, as we will on, tap, on uh, the Tailgate podcast when we record that. We'll definitely have a lot to break down. But as much as the NCAA pisses me off, man, this is why they're still around, because of March Madness, stuff like this. So a lot to, to, lot to get excited about still. So tune in tonight. If you have the opportunity, watch that national title game. It's 8, 8.30, something like that tonight. I know that's what I'll be doing. I'll be tuned in. So, yeah, this has been another edition of uh, Tapped In. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate it. Just uh, keep on checking out what we're doing. We've got Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're just going to keep bringing this. And I will occasionally have my bone to pick, probably more than occasionally, because I have a feeling there's going to be lots of bones to pick. So people are pretty good at doing things that – upset me. So we'll see. But again, thank you for tuning in.